Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of the Influence Continuum. And I have a special show today with Rich Logis, uh, a man that I met on Twitter, now X, but I still hate calling it X, I have to admit. Um, and Rich, I, I, I heard your story first on uh, Spaces, which is an audio conference call uh, on uh, uh, Natalie Jacoby's Spaces, in fact. And uh, I was fascinated at listening to your story and also how articulate you were at describing and your self-awareness that I invited you to do this. So I want to just do a little uh, more intro and say that you were solely a diehard Republican, ultra-MAGA, voted for Trump twice, voted for Florida Governor DeSantis in 2018. And you just, you're a self-described pundit whose writings were read by millions. You are a grassroots MAGA activist, and you did pro bono work for the Trump campaigns in 2016 and 2020, as well as the 2018 DeSantis campaign. And here in your, your note to me, you said he was wrong about all of it and that you really want to launch a series of workshops entitled Leaving MAGA, How We the People Can Perfect Our Union and Reconcile, which is my deepest hope and the reason that I agreed to write a controversial book called The Cult of Trump. It wasn't to call people names, but as someone who was in a cult and got lied to and trusted Sun Myung Moon and all of the nice people that I was meeting, uh, went in this rabbit hole of extremism where I came to believe democracy was satanic and we needed to infiltrate the government and put a theocracy in its place and, if necessary, amend the Constitution and make it a capital offense if people didn't follow the Unification Church and some young moon's dictates. And in my story, I'm grateful that I nearly died in a van crash due to sleep exhaustion, which led to a hospitalization, led to a voluntary deprogramming, not because I had any doubts. I was 100% certain that Moon was the Messiah, the sinless Messiah, and I was doing God's will. But I wanted to prove to my family that I wasn't in a cult and I wasn't brainwashed. So I agreed to meet with ex-Moonies, learn about Chinese communist brainwashing. And through five days of an agreed upon uh, meeting with the ex-members, the lights turned on. And I was like, wait a minute, Moon's a liar. And if he's a liar, then he can't be a man of God because the Moonies teach God is a God of truth. And then I was like, well, if he's a liar, then he's not trustworthy. And then what, what have I been doing for the last two and a half years? And then I started crying when I realized I had been working 18 to 21 hours a day, seven days a week for no money, threw away my poetry, threw away my family, my friends, my religion to follow a fascist, and which has led me to this career as a therapist to help other people realize 
You can be an intelligent, educated person from a good family and have your mind hacked. And with that, I'm going to be quiet and ask you to tell my listeners your story. And well, I uh, look forward to that. Thank you. This is the only time I'm going to say doctor is in uh, thanking you for coming on. It's going to be Steve the rest of the way, unless I slip up and say Dr. Steve. But I really appreciate you coming on or having me on. And I am uh, I am here with gratitude to, I hope, bring good news to the afflicted and some of what we'll talk about. Just a quick side note that uh, I just want to let anyone out there uh, affected by the terrorist attacks on Israel let them know that uh, I, as so many Americans, I believe, do um, fully support efforts to protect the people there, and we hope to bring peace. But as a as a just a side note to start out. Yeah, well, thank you. I am sure. Jewish, and I actually wrote a chapter on anti-Semitism and psychiatry as a Jew who was taught to believe the Holocaust was necessary. Uh, uh, which is totally anti-Semitic, and uh, and I have a lot of family and friends in Israel. So thank you for saying that. Absolutely. Um, you know, for my uh, for my story of how I well my my entree into MAGA, I really have to go all the way back to the year two thousand. I was twenty three years old. I was living in New York, and I voted for Ralph Nader, and I was not. I wouldn't say overly political, but my interest in the Nader campaign was on a very anodyne, uncontroversial basis, which was both parties didn't like him. So I supported him. I knew my vote wouldn't really affect the electoral college outcome, but I was all on board with Nader. I voted for him a few other elections subsequently. And then if you fast forward to the to the year 2015, I was very political, but I've come to realize very ignorant person. And when Trump decided to run, I wasn't one of these people who was on board from the moment he came down the escalator. But I did figure out pretty quickly that both parties did not like him. And so when I realized that, I said, just like with Ralph Nader, I'm in. Uh, very just not not interested in his campaign because of any of the comments about immigrants or race or religion. It was really just because the two parties didn't like him. And that was enough for me to take an interest in the campaign. Now, that was in 2015. Once I came into the MAGA world, I didn't just stop at supporting Trump and maybe not always agreeing with policy, but I, I thought, okay, he's He's here. Both parties don't like him. It's enough for me. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for him. I, I did not do that, Steve. So what I did is I got deeper and deeper into the, into the MAGA world to the point where I allowed myself to be influenced both before the election and during his presidency. I allowed myself to be influenced by people who are good people deep down. And we'll get to that in a moment. They are good. I know they are good people deep down, but they were adherence to so many of these, I call it traumatic, even though I should preface by saying I'm not qualified whatsoever to give any psychiatric or clinical advice at all. So I just want everyone to know that. So I use the word traumatic, even whether or not it really might meet the clinical definition. And I succumb to so many of the mythologies of the right wing, that the Democrats weren't just 
misguided and wrong that they and Hillary Clinton pose an existential threat to the country. And that because both parties didn't like Trump, in my mind, that that affirmed for me that he was the right guy for the job. And so once I, once I allowed myself to adopt all of these mythologies from the Democrats are an existential threat, if Hillary Clinton wins, the Democrats will seize power permanently. These, Steve, are the types of beliefs that I came to. They were my motivating factors for becoming a MAGA activist. Now, out there, out and about, just like on the Twitter spaces, sometimes the comments I receive on social media, my articles, there are many who ask a very understandable question, which is, how, how did you, how, how did, why did you think that? Why did you believe that? And I know that we, as a species, we like neat and tidy answers, but politics is already a highly emotional business. And sometimes there isn't exactly a logical reason for why we adopt some of these beliefs. And I, and I think, see that there's, because I always emphasize to others that, two points, that number one, most MAGA voters are in fact deep down good people. That's a point that you made on the Twitter spaces, the talks, conversations we had. And I was actually so, I wasn't surprised by it, but I was very encouraged because my introduction to your work was actually through the Game Is Up document. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's where I first met you, so to speak. And I recall you talking about sunk cost fallacy on in the film, which mm -hmm. will that point will, will, will come up again in this. Hour can I just us. can I just add, if I may, sure. the game sure. of uh, is up is a documentary that featured former Trump supporters like Joe Walsh and David yes. Weissman, Bacha Goldberg and others, as well as myself and some other experts. But the idea was to show that for, you know, former devotees can change their mind and go, whoops, you know, don't believe that anymore. It's not healthy. So I just want people to look up that documentary because I still think it's valuable to check it out. It absolutely is. Um, yeah. It remains timely, it remains relevant. And that point that you'd made really resonated with me because I know that deep down, most MAGA voters are decent people. So I think that's the first point in prefacing this conversation. Now, the second point that I make, and this is a point that I think those with very strong anti-Trump feelings, which I understand those feelings, but I, I think some recoil at this next statement, which is that whatever one's opinion of Trump as a person, there were actually valid reasons for supporting his candidacy. In, in my view. And I don't say that, Steve, as any kind of self-defense. But if you look at some of the topics that he really, that, that he used as a foundation for his campaign, talking about feeling ignored and unheard and unseen by politicians, I, I think that's actually a very pervasive belief amongst the I American agree. electorate. You know, it, it, and again, anodyne, uncontroversial, right. tapped into that talking about jobs going overseas, which is not solely a partisan issue. Both parties have had something to do with that, though to varying degrees. Communities being hollowed out. I think voters who heard this found that, despite a lot of else of what he said that we raised eyebrows to, 
because voters found that refreshing, I think we have to respect that there were motivators for Trump voters that were not nefarious right. in, in there and that were not about uh, anti about Islamoph- uh, Islamophobia or homophobia or misogyny for for me, Steve, I will tell you, those were not thoughts that that I had. I, right. I, I very much related to what it was that he was saying. Right. And so once w- once we went through the campaign and on election night, uh, I'm, I'm writing this little ebook for the Leaving MAGA workshops. And I talk at the, the beginning of the, of the ebook is about election night 2016 and this feeling of exhilaration, but also a feeling of, of validation. And I think that that particular point of validation is really, really important for those who find themselves in cult surroundings, because the way that I describe my personal and political epiphany, and I'll get into the reasons in a moment why I left Canada, to paraphrase Hemingway, my epiphany, my road to Damascus moment occurred gradually and then suddenly all at once. Mm -hmm. And from, from the work that I've heard of experts, including yourself, when I hear when I hear from those who have deprogrammed from cults, have left cults, the way that they describe falling prey to being in these cult environments, they're not realizing it so much in real time. It's a gradual process. They're not thinking of, of, of themselves being in a cult, whether right, it's right. Moonies or some of the the other well-known ones from Jonestown to Waco to Heaven's Gate to Nixium, they're in there because of something that MAGA provided for me and still provides to this day, which is a community. Mm-hmm. And because of that community, it is a kind of sp- uh, safe space for, mm-hmm. for MAGA voters. And what that safe space is about, Steve, is there is actually a form of identity politics that is present in the MAGA community. And that that identity politics is a is a unison of fighting against the Democratic Party and the Mitt Romney rhinos, Republicans in name only, against the globalists. There is a there is a a, a goal of defeating and crushing those people. Yeah, the other. The other, the other that's and, demonized. And, and Steve, I did that. I mean, when yeah. I was in my right wing world writing for Fox and writing for other publications and millions of people were seeing me, I was on syndicated radio shows. When I look back on how I spoke in the MAGA world, I would call, I would dehumanize uh, Democrats, some of whom I, I knew deep down were good people. Mm-hmm. I would refer to Democrats as, as malignant. I would call them threats to my life, my livelihood, my family. And I didn't just approach this from, I'm not one of these guys who had a Trump flag or a Trump tattoo. I was actually very involved, especially locally, in MAGA activism. I was Mm -hmm. part of Trump clubs. I had a reputation amongst uh, the local GOP chapter of the Mm -hmm. National Party. I spoke at groups. I sponsored Trump events, did all the work that you mentioned at the outset. So I, I wasn't someone working on the periphery here. I was very, very deep in the MAGA world. And, and you're, was, a, you're a family man, correct? I, 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 I am. When, uh, you know, when, when Trump was elected, I, I, uh, so my firstborn was in, uh, she was born in August of 2017. Mm-hmm. And I remember shortly thereafter her being born, you know, she was this little 
little, little child sitting in her bouncy, right? And I remember looking at her and saying, Isabel, I want you to know we fought really hard to win this election for you. That's right. really what I said. I actually thought that, you know, and, and I didn't just think it just for the sake of I believed it. Because the, the fact about, for me, Stephen Maga, is that I, I looked at myself as part of the so-called real Americans group. Mm-hmm. We were the real Americans. We, I've never served in the military. I have nothing but the utmost respect for servicemen and women. I looked at my, my for me, it was a, a cult. And I know some people may differ with that categorization depending on how deeply involved they are. For me, it was a cult. Uh, when I woke up, I thought about MAGA. I went through my day thinking about it. I went to bed thinking about it. And I repeated every day, seven days a week, year after year. Yeah, well, you were a true believer, as Very I was. So. And if I may, just a meta comment sure. before you continue. Uh, it sounded like you voted for Nader because you wanted an outsider because your yes. perception was the existing system was corrupt, and which I believe. Uh, and, um, and because of the mythology that Trump was a successful businessman, now we're only finding out that he lied and he's not that successful yes. and he was taking advantage of all the people who worked for him, aside from all the womanizing that he did. But I just want to, you know, comment that I think it's an error from my point of view to think that Trump is a mastermind. I really believe he's being used and directed Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, Putin, and other authoritarian cults, including New Apostolic Reformation, etc., the, the Catholics who think the Pope is satanic. So they were feeding him the information about which talking points would resonate with the the, yes. the populace. And the other thing I just want to add, and I'll be quiet for a while, is we know that the Mercers um, operated Cambridge Analytica, hacked Facebook. They got all kinds of personal data on millions of Americans, and they were manipulated on social media heavily uh, with AI. And so, um, you know, there are some people who are born Democrats and they always vote Democrat. There are some people born Republicans, they always vote Republican. So there are many people who came to follow Trump, at least in the 2016 election. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's it's a lot more systematic and a lot more organized how they found people like you to be a spokesperson, and it was you, and it was me when I was in the Moonies, where it was a, a very powerful recruitment tool and a PR tool yes. for the organization. Back to your story. So, so just a point on that, Steve, because it got me thinking here is, you know, you mentioned at the outset about those who are successful, educated this, uh, I guess, maybe a stereotype that those who fall prey to to cults that they're uneducated or not doing well in their. Truthfully, at that point in my life, I was doing the best economically as a business owner than I ever had, and when Trump came along, the outsider, we we looked at him as see, I I, I looked at him as he's going to take the sledgehammer to the system. 
Right. And that's the guy we need. We need the fire breather. We need the guy who doesn't give a shoot. Right. He, that, right. That's who's, that's who's needed for this job. And yep. I, 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 I really felt this kinship to what it was that he represented. So how does a guy go from pretty political, but ignorant? I wouldn't say not at all hateful. I can say that honestly about myself doing mm-hmm. well overall, but then all of a sudden going into and, and then getting into this world where I look at Trump, we didn't look at him as a Republican or conservative. I actually didn't even refer to myself as a Republican or conservative. We looked at this as we're soldiers in in, in a battle of true good versus evil. And I'm on the right side. The MAGA people, the Trump voters are on the right side. Everybody else is on the wrong side. Yep, that's it. Us versus them. Black and white, all or nothing. Yep, that's right. Very and community is. And you you hit the nail on the head. Humans are emotional beings who rationalize. We like to think we're rational, but a lot of what drives us is emotions. And the irrationality was something that I and many others were actually conscious of. I mean, when he made the comment about John McCain, rest in peace, which now looking back on it, that's the moment that I, e- even if I was curious about Trump to that point, that's the moment that I should have run. In hindsight, I shouldn't have walked away. I should have run away as fast as I could have at that, the moment that he made that comment well, about, I like soldiers who aren't, who aren't captured. Yeah. And he was so tortured that, for years yes, and was a yes, hero. I mean, but he, I mean, just what he endured, right? What he endured, unimaginable. And yep. here's Trump just nonchalant in an event saying, well, like soldiers who aren't captured. Now we heard and this. He, and he faked his way out of the draft, too. Right, that's right. He that's couldn't right. even so remember which, which foot had the problem that <laughs> he got out of the draft. And, and that, uh, you know, that, that making of the myth, whether it's business, politics, that making of the myth was looking at, Trump from my MAGA perspective as here's this man with such immense intrepidity, you know, Mm -hmm. this courage to, to take on this, this force in Washington, DC and all these global forces that are plotting against us. And Steve, if, you know, the John McCain remark, the let's, let's ban Muslims from coming into the country. Yes. They raised eyebrows. I knew deep down that those were not correct. Those were not statements that someone should be making running for office or in any context, really. But the rash you mentioned about irrational, if you if someone believes that the opponent, the other, does pose such a threat as to render I as an American irrelevant for the rest of my life, someone who thinks that will support anyone or anything. Yep. And, and that's why, that's why is, and, and there's good faith debate about perhaps numerous reasons why, but Trump now for MAGA voters is the embodiment of all of their fears and concerns and hysteria and paranoia. And we have agency. It's why I take responsibility for what I thought and how I voted. But I do want to say, as much as they're good people and had valid reasons, I also do think that they have been victimized. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, to the point of what you you write in your book about going back a half century, it wasn't just that Trump came along and it was it was a whole 
tens of millions of Americans who weren't victimized and traumatized and all of a sudden became that way. Yeah, you'll hear the stories once in a while of people who got deep into the rabbit hole. But for a lot of the MAGA voters, they have believed for many, many years, depending on their age, that that there is, in fact, a conspiracy against Republicans and conservatives to silence them, to censor them, to indoctrinate their children in schools, to come and take their guns. I bought into all of that. Mm -hmm. And and because I bought into all of that, I saw I saw all of us as this patriotic army. And you and, live in Florida, right? And right. I'm in Florida. Yeah, so I'm in Florida, that may have so. a little influence over your beliefs. And, and 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 the ones I met were were Floridians themselves for the right. most part, and they and they did not speak about the Democrats in they they didn't speak about them as simply wrong or too leftist or uh or, or or not being capable of governing they spoke about them as nefarious forces and i came to agree with that even mm -hmm. though logically i didn't really have much of a logical reason for supporting that but it was a perfect storm of events that led me with this confluence of of events and variables that brought me into maga mm -hmm. and I came to realize, Steve, something, and this is a point that I want to make, because while I will continue to emphasize that MAGA voters have been exploited and victimized and traumatized, uh, not just by Trump, but by an entire right wing that has been well-organized and well-funded for many years, as much as I might say that, and I do believe that to be true, although MAGA voters might disagree with that, but it's what I believe from my observations to be true. Having said all of that, I became what I was supposed, what I thought were the actual enemies. So I was fighting tyranny, and I realized that I became a tyrant. There's, there's a, an ant, there's a something I mentioned on a Twitter Spaces uh, last year. My my wife had said to me that in 2016 she's naturalized. It was the first election she could vote in, and she said to me, "I actually wanted to vote for Hillary, but I didn't." because I wanted to support you. Now, uh, my wife, I always say, I'm married up. Um, I'm, I've, I've got the greatest wife a man or woman could possibly want with two beautiful children, and I have an amazing wife of over 15 years. When I heard that from her, it, 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 was, the, it, was, the, it was the final, I didn't need any further affirmation, but it was the final affirmation for me that I made the right decision and that I was... I became, I morphed into the the actual, whatever it was that I thought I was fighting, I became that. Mm -hmm. And since then, since then, Steve, and I'll get in a moment to the reasons why I left, since then, I have forgiven myself mm. for, for what I did for what I did. Now, I can't reverse time, of course. I contributed to a lot of our problems and ills as I see it. Yes, I'm only mm -hmm. one man, but I don't I don't look at it that way. I look at it as having to take responsibility and self-accountability. So while I can't fix I can't go back in time, but I can now contribute to the solutions rather than the ills and the problems. And if I if I'm going to go out and ask others to to reconcile, to challenge their own beliefs, to ask themselves, are my beliefs too black and white? Are they lacking nuance? Is it possible that I'm actually wrong? Then I can't ask people to do that if I did not forgive myself. I cannot be a hypocrite there. Yeah, sure. Because, it makes because sense. what led me, yeah, and I, I, and I, I, there is some, 
there is a there is a see no evil, hear no evil, willful blindness that occurs for many within MAGA, and that's a good segue, I think, to why why I left because leaving MAGA is the work that I want to collaborate with and helping others to leave. So before you go there, I just want to say a major thing I do with all my clients that I speak to is to say, if you knew then what you know now, if you go back in time to when you first were introduced to the group, would you have said yes? And then they typically think about it and they go, no way. No. Then I say that demonstrates that you didn't have informed consent. You thought you were following something. It was an image. It was a fantasy. It was a desire to serve, to make the world a better place, to be a good dad, be a good husband, be a good American. But the key is reality testing and realizing, you know what? Life's a journey and nobody knows it all. And certainty is the enemy <laughs> instead of like being open-minded to new perspectives and realizing yes. I might change my mind if there's evidence to that effect. So well, back the, uh, to you. Even, even in the being so deep in the, in the MAGA rabbit hole, Steve, we MAGA voters, I, I, I will say, and I can attest to this for myself. I still viewed myself as entirely autonomous and mm -hmm. just like I was mentioning to Washington Post reporter the other night, he interviewed me uh, to talk about what what is what is it about this bond between MAGA voters and, and Donald Trump? And I one of the points that I made to him, and I think this is a relevant point for others out there who know friends, family, confidants who have who, who are still in the MAGA fog, the haze. Yep. I said to the reporter, I said every single time. Trump was attacked, whether it was the Democrats or other Republicans or the press, that just hardened our support because right. it wasn't it wasn't an attack on Trump. It was an attack on Trump and all of us. Right. Well, that and is that, the cult identity. It was exactly, exactly it the is. same that's, with some young right. moon. Yep. And that's now that's what that is what that is the glue that binds Trump and MAGA right now. Yeah, and, and Trump literally says, you know, I'm doing this for you. It's, that's right. It, it, they're that's coming right. after you. It's not they're coming that's after right. me. And he tries to glue uh, people's identity to the, the, you know, the false image of what he's trying to project. There's a very famous meme that has circulated for several years, a black and white one. Trump is sitting on a chair his hand is in the formation of a gun and the text says, they're not after me, they're after you, I'm just in the way. And I think about that a lot because I mentioned it to the reporter the other night, I got to thinking about it in anticipation of our conversation today, that it's not that, it, for Trump, it's not that they stole, I, I wasn't defrauded in the election, you were defrauded, you my right. voters. I'm not the one indicted. You're the ones indicted. I'm right. not the one um, who's who's the recipient of the slings and arrows of a weaponized law enforcement uh, department of justice. You're the ones receiving the slings and arrows. And those who are so deep in MAGA 
they they hear that and think, yes, that's why I support him because he is the guy who gives me voice. He empowers me. And that that is that is such it is a really difficult bond to break, but my I'm not saying this with doe-eyed optimism necessarily, but I do believe that there are more out there. Oh, absolutely. There are, are millions are starting to feel. There are millions. I want to just add one more piece, Rich, if I sure. may, which is sure. fake news, fake news. So if you get people to distrust all information that isn't originating from the cult, that interrupts any reality testing because that's what we feed off of is information. And that's where with our smartphones, we're being barraged eight to 10 hours a day with siloed information, and we're taught to distrust anything that doesn't agree. So that is a very important factor to maintaining control. And that's why I encourage people to take a time out from, from social media, even going to rallies, just turn off the computer even, and go back in your mind, where, who was I before this? whole involvement started who who do i care about that i've stopped talking to <laughs> you know and it's like reconnect to your roots and your values back to you i i i developed a new family in naga and mm. you know you mentioned steve bannon as a side note he, he's really the one who put into trump's head the what he called uh bannon called the enemedia and and that, that plays very well with MAGA, who believe, again, that there's a coordinated conspiracy amongst the Democrats and the press. Right. And an, an, an actual objective analysis of the press shows that they're actually not leftists at all. In fact, I'm pretty hard on the press because I think they're still trying to save the Republican Party, even though they're not savable, which is a side note point. And you mentioned the Mercers. They were, they were I believe, the original or very early funders of Breitbart. The news oh, site, they right they point. insist yeah. yes, and they insisted yes. that Trump take Bannon and Kel Kellyanne right. Conway to run the campaign, and without their intervention, he definitely would have lost. But there was a lot of uh, platform manipulation that people don't realize that AI was pretty sophisticated even in 2015. I know because I was studying ISIS recruitment online, and I was aware of what systems were out there at that moment. So that point right there, I'm going to come to in a moment, because in the summer of 2021, Steve, that's, that's, when, that's when the doubt started to creep in. And I mention this all the time, that it wasn't actually Trump who was the catalyst for my leaving MAGA. It was Ron DeSantis. Mm. Now, now, in fairness to Ron DeSantis, you know, the pandemic broke in early 2020. And then in summer of 2021 is when we had the Delta surge. And I, I, I still say to this day, in fairness, I think that he handled the pandemic here as well as he could have, given the data that was changing on a daily basis. I know some will disagree with that. I, I, uh, I, I don't think that anyone could have handled it perfectly. What I was most impressed with was how uh, how much he was for uh, as an advocate for the COVID vaccine. There's a very famous photo. In the beginning, of, right. In the beginning, yeah. Right. And, and, I, and I would say, you know, many, many months into the pandemic, once the vaccine was being developed, 
there's a famous photo of Ron DeSantis pushing um, a senior citizen lady in a wheelchair to go mm. and get the vaccine. So I was I was very, very happy and pleased with that. I thought that he was showing the right kind of leadership for that moment. Now, that was up in that was early 2020 into the summer 2021. Summer 2021, if we recall, when Delta came upon us, it, we were seeing children get sick. We were seeing even the rare case, and I say rare not to not to minimize the tragedy of it, but the rare case of children dying. Right. And and I I knew of many here in Florida who were in the MAGA world who were it wasn't just that they were, well, we support getting the vaccine, but we're against the, the, the mandates. That is not a position I agree with, but it has some logical defensibility to it. That's not what I heard. Amongst the anti-vaccine crowd, I heard all of the paranoia that we still hear to this day, that it's going to change our DNA, it's going to make uh, magnets stick to our arms, it's going to turn us into a cyclops, you know, all of this stuff that we heard. And I remember thinking when kids started getting sick, I had two small kids. I wasn't overly concerned about them getting sick, but I saw in the local press, the national press, children dying and succumbing and falling down. I remember distinctly thinking, Steve, Ron DeSantis is going to sever himself from this anti-vaccine propaganda. I remember thinking that. I had no doubt in my mind that he was going to do that. And then he did it. And seemingly overnight, he didn't just come out with a, I support the vaccine, but I'm against mandates. He came out as a staunch opponent of this vaccine. And since then, has just more and more, quote unquote, evolved into a position that I actually don't think he deep down believes. I don't think that Ron DeSantis, just like Donald Trump, like a lot of these right wing politicians, I don't actually think, Steve, that they believe most of what comes out of their mouths. Uh, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't know what's in their hearts and souls. I don't think Ron DeSantis actually believes that, that the COVID vaccine has injured people and has killed people, as he either explicitly says or implies it when he's out and about talking about it, mm-hmm. which was also manifest itself in a quack doctor who's now our Surgeon General where every, every known organization with, with credibility and expertise has entirely denounced his, his voodoo pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that happen, the way DeSantis became this staunch, staunch advocate from, a, from that advocacy to opposition, it was a jolt and a shock to my system. And I'm not suggesting, Steve, that senior citizens who made up uh, per capita proportionally the highest a uh, number of, of fatalities with COVID. I'm not saying that senior citizens dying wasn't tragic, but when children were getting sick, I have no background in epidemiology, but the doctors I was seeing, they said, well, the reason children are getting sick is because the virus is strengthening. It's becoming more infectious. Mm-hmm. And when, when that happened, it forced me to, it was, it was like I really hit a brick wall face first. Yeah, if I can interrupt for a second and just say in my experience of 47 years, it's very often the parental heart that gets people to question the cult, whether they're in a sex cult and children are being molested when they have their own kid. They're, you know, their, their maternal, the paternal instinct kicks in. 
It's very powerful, and it's what I'm hearing as I listen to yes. your story. Yes, that's entirely accurate. And I was thinking about others. I didn't, I didn't personally know anyone whose children fell ill or died from the virus, but I just remember thinking, questioning, why am I really, do I really support this? Do I really agree with this? Can I, in good conscience, remain a MAGA activist knowing and supporting DeSantis, a voter for him in the primary, voter for him in the general election? I contributed my time, treasure, and talent without any compensation to help get him elected. And then all of a sudden this happened, and it, and it really was, to use the proverbial term, it was a moment where my world was turned upside down and it was turned upside down very unexpected. Mm -hmm. So once that started, that was the spark. That was the spark where it, it didn't go away. It, the, 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 the doubts that I had, some of the burgeoning skepticism about why I was supporting this movement and Trump and DeSantis, it's, it, it began to grow. It began to increase. Now, right around that time, Steve, is the second reason that mm -hmm. uh, I left MAGA. I just want to say, preface by saying, I never believed that COVID was a Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci bio weapon against the American people or the world. I did not think the COVID vaccine was unsafe. And I did not believe that the election was stolen. Um, I knew very well going into the election that Biden had a very good chance, I thought, of actually winning. Of course, I viewed Biden the same as I did Hillary, an existential threat to the country. Right. But I, but I, but <laughs> I, I was, I, I was right. some, somewhat prepared for the possibility of a loss. So yeah. I never bought into stolen election. By tw now, in the, in the aftermath of the insurrection, January 21, okay, remember 2021, I was, up until that summer, I was in the camp of, well, yeah, it's not, it's not good, but it's not a big deal. It's overblown. The press likes talking about it. It's just being used as another attack on Trump and Mac. That's what I thought about the insurrection. I didn't think that the people who stormed the Capitol were patriots who wanted to resurrect 1776, mm -hmm. but I did think it was a, being into a bigger deal. And I mm -hmm. used to hear about these groups like Proud Boys and Yoke Keeper, Three Percenters, and I viewed them as basically fringe hobbyist groups. Mm -hmm. But around the time that I started to question my support, I thought, you know what, I need to do something that I didn't really do a lot in MAGA, which was diversify my information sources. Oh, so, I, so I started to do big, big, big one, you know, whether yep. it's wh whatever the topic might be, because, again, I didn't have any use for the Washington Post or the New York Times when I was in MAGA because they were against us. They were the op they were the opposition press. You know, they were the. They were on the, the they were the Lavrenti Beria, you know, show me a man, I'll show you the crime type uh, <laughs> mindset. That's how that's how we viewed, that's how we viewed the press. And when I started to dig deep into these groups, I started to realize that they actually were not hobbyist groups, that they were relatively well organized, mm -hmm. unified in their unified in their goal. Mm -hmm. And perhaps worst of all and most relevant they had the blessing of Donald Trump. And when the most powerful person in the world blesses your organization, you are going to essentially feel invincible, that you can do whatever it is that you want. And I came to realize that 
these forces that led to the insurrection were not groups and beliefs and outcomes and opinions that I could, that I, that I believed were accurate. So I came to two lines, I came to two lines of demarcation, Steve. Mm -hmm. And the first line is that I'm not going to say this of all Republicans, but the Republican party platform is one in which, in which avoidable deaths and suffering are acceptable. Mm -hmm. And the second line of demarcation is the defense and justification of politically motivated coup d'etats, which in the case of January 6th was a coup d'etat against we the people, our, our government, and our constitution. Right. And I, I make this point all the time that the rioters were 40 feet away from Vice President Pence. Yep. And the constitution requires Vice President, the President of the Senate, to count those votes when he's there. That's all his role is. It's mainly ceremonial, but the 12th Amendment requires it. If those rioters had gotten their hands on Vice President Pence, I am convinced to this day that they would have either murdered him or rendered him incapacitated. And if that had happened, it it is not hyperbolic to say that the American experiment, nearly a quarter of millennium of progress, might have ended that that day. So when I... So, and of course, let's also remind viewers that the Republican Party called January 6th legitimate political discourse. Those were the exact words. Yeah. So I had, I had the acceptance of avoidable deaths and suffering, and then I had politically motivated violence. When I came to the two lines, I give thanks for this every day, every single day, Steve, I give thanks for the fact that I did not cross that Rubicon. I didn't walk over those lines and if i had and i think that this is though i can't prove it i think that this is more likely than not inaccurate what if had i crossed those lines had trump won in 2020 i would have entered into my own sunk cost fallacy i would have gotten so deeply entangled even further than i was even more so than i was I don't think that I would have been able to come out of it. Now, I don't want to sound contradictory saying that because we want to outreach to MAGA voters. Right. We, we, we want to, we don't want to judge them. We want to humanize them. So I, I'm hoping that I'm not coming off as contradictory. I'm saying for me personally, yep. I don't think, I don't think much more likely than not, I'd have, I'd have gotten deeper and deeper into the MAGA rabbit hole, and I don't think I would have gotten out of it. So what I want to just add is I feel the same way about my Mooney involvement. If my family hadn't intervened, I think I could still be there today, and they were at January 6th, and they do have an an AR-15 gun factory, and they do have compounds where they're training to kill Americans in a coup, in a violent civil war, which is what Bannon is pushing and Alex Jones is pushing, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, all of these groups are orienting to a civil war in the streets. I just want to also take one more second and explain to my listeners, if you haven't heard the term sunk cost fallacy, Rich has been using it a few times, It's basically a cognitive bias that says when you invest time, energy, effort in a direction 
at a certain point you have an inertia and you keep staying with the you know the core the course of action even though intellectually you're starting to realize I'm not going to get to what I thought I was going to get to the quickest quick example is I need to buy eggs for my pancakes so I'm going to go to the store it's 2 miles down and you're halfway there and you realize, oh my goodness, they closed this week for vacation, but I'm already halfway there. I'll keep walking. <laughs> like that's the sunk cost fallacy is realizing staying that extra distance, you're not going to get there. I, I was, I would have kept walking. Yeah. Uh, had, had Trump won, had I crossed those lines, if I would have then by, it wasn't it was it would not have been really a matter of silence's consent i would have said that if i'm crossing those lines i am agreeing with those two lines of demarcation that i de i decided not to cross and you know see there's there is when i look back on my life right before the election during the during Trump's presidency and then up to the summer of 2021, every time I have these kind of conversations, I always go back and look at some of my writings. And I do not recognize the person who wrote a lot of those articles. It, it, it's a it's a it's some kind of Jekyll and Hyde effect that that happens where we we just submit ourselves to everything that the movement what the leader is about we you know like you you that's what it's that, called that, that, it's right? a that, dissociated that, identity that's right. you know, and right. you the real self is suppressed and you're in your cult self and you're on full force cult identity and same for me you know i can really I, relate i i i went when i decided to write my mea culpa and i i said I, I need to I need to find closure and cathartic. There was a catharsis that happened for me, and you know, again, it's unnatural for our Homo sapien species to to admit that we're wrong. We it just it's not a natural act. And so, occasionally, if we say we're wrong, we might tell our our wives or our husbands, or you know, maybe tell a couple of close friends, and that's the end of it, right? Oh, I was wrong. I was ambivalent about writing these mea culpas, not because I had any kind of reticence about the outcome I came to, but I actually didn't think that anyone would really care. So I didn't just decide to write a mea culpa for a few people. I did it and millions of people saw this story. And I'm very grateful for those who now will say, uh, you know, Rich, I give you credit for, for coming public. Um, and I, I'm very humbled and I'm very grateful what I ask though of those individuals who say that, just like after the Twitter spaces, I had lots of comments from some of the listeners saying, "I I had uh, before my mother or father died, uh, our our relationship had essentially acrimoniously ended because of politics. We didn't have peace when they died. Hearing you offered me some peace, and mm. and and you know that's the that's the." That's the reason for doing this kind of work, right? When you when you have a chance, see, when you're with someone who is so deeply in a cult environment, and then you help them come out of it, it's got to be so rewarding, so affirming of what you're doing, right? And 
And I, I and I don't sugarcoat what I went through. There were lots of nights, just myself, just my thoughts, sitting in the sitting in the light around me at the computer with this emotional and mental and spiritual war that was going on in my heart, body, and soul. Yeah. And 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 I and as I went through that, I I, I do feel like I have to be fully transparent in this and, and candid in this point going through a political and personal healing is not a painless endeavor. And I'm not saying that in a physical sense necessarily. Right. It is not a painless endeavor. Right. It's going to, it's, it, there's going to be moments of tug of war, you know, is this right? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Do I really think this? I'm confused. I'm unsure. I'm uncertain. All of those thoughts just banter back and forth. They ping pong all throughout our mind. But I came to realize afterwards that while changing our views and changing our minds, and in my case, apologizing in front of millions of people, it was liberating. It, it was not painless, but it was liberating. And I go out and tell this story because I look at it, I, I want to emphasize to others that if I did it, I know that others can. Exactly. And 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 so because you, just like if you did it, you show it's not us just talking rhetoric. It's we're showing that we did it. Because again, I have to reiterate this point, forgive the repetition. I I was not just um uh I was not just a eh, partisan Trump voter. You know, most of the electorate is actually not political. Mm-hmm. Democrat or Republican. They're not. But in the Republican Party, which is only in name only because it's really a MAGA party, because the MAGA voters are the ones who determine who the general election candidate will be. Mm-hmm. So that's why all these candidates running just tread oh so carefully right? so as not to anger the MAGA base. Right. So if I did it and you did it, then it's proof. It's, it's, a, it's physical living proof that it actually can be done. And... Mm-hmm. I have never been, Steve, I'm going to say this, I've never been more at peace yep. in my myself and my being for coming out of that world. But I remind myself to always let others know, especially for those who are out there watching this and they're going to, they're going to hear me and they're going to think about friends, family, close ones who yep. are in the MAGA world. And I I don't want this to just be, here's my story, take it and show it. I, I want those out there to take what I went through and uh, and apply it in the relationships that they have with others they know who have gotten really deep and remain deep in MAGA. Because Steve, at the beginning, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, I, I always joke, I'm a Catholic, but I, I probably would have been excommunicated if I'd lived many, many years ago in the church, but I became even, I actually tapped even more into my, into my spiritual side coming out of MAGA, even though in MAGA, it's really more geared for religiously evangelicals and and Christian theocracy. I I got actually, I actually just, it, it was, it was more enriching. Faith is more enriching for me now, having been out of MAGA. So I mentioned the beginning, the, the book of Isaiah instructs to bring good news to the afflicted. But for those listening out there who are thinking, oh, my God, I, these guys, I got to have Stephen Rich talk to and, and work with those in MAGA. There's another uh, 
uh, instruction I take from from the Bible, from the book of Romans, which is to be patient in affliction. Yep. And this is this is the, the work that we have ahead of us. This is not just work for one election cycle. Right. And in, in reality, this is I, I really think that uh, this is going to be at the forefront of civic civic activism. Okay, yep. nonviolent civic activism. Because there are more and more people out there who, who, who are starting to feel remorse. And I understand why they would have some qualms about coming public. I understand that. But I want everyone out there to know, just like in your story, I, I'm not suggesting that I'm the sole leading voice on this topic. But I'm going public because if it can encourage more to say, yes, I was wrong, we can then welcome everyone back into this democracy of ours because the civic point that i want to make as we head into an election is that our country has a very very successful track record of unlikely but necessary alliances forming when history in the moment called for it Absolutely. and i and i see this as such a moment right now where we we are going to need those unlikely but nece- those necessary but unlikely alliances to form because we re- and I'm going to say this hesitantly because I think the idea of saving and saving another or something is is a Sisyphean futile endeavor often but for lack of a better adverb for a moment um, I think we need to save MAGA voters from themselves but I see the work that we're doing as saying that it's okay to, to acknowledge our errors. Exactly. And see, and see for those out there who have very strong anti-Trump feelings, and I understand those feelings. Sometimes I receive the comments of just go away, Rich, you know, you voted twice for him. And I always say, well, actually I voted four times for him, two primary, two general, just get out of here. I don't care what you think. So they're dealing with their own Trump, uh, uh, their, their own Trump related trauma. But we have to, I, I encourage those individuals and say, but wouldn't you rather those who acknowledge the wrongs of their ways, wouldn't you rather form a new civic community with them right? to mend those? T- and when I ask the question that way, not non-judgmentally, you realize that the statement of go away is emotional. Yep. But more logically, it's yeah, yes, Rich. We would want yes, Steve. We want those. We want those who have said we repudiate MAGA. We don't repudiate the the people, right? Because the people are our fellow countrymen and women. But we repudiate MAGA, and then we say welcome, because so many have welcomed me, right? And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and I want to say, you know, hashtag I got out is a movement of former members of all kinds of authoritarian cults and controlling relationships. And we want more people to share their stories, to normalize it, to stigmatize it, because the public has this erroneous perception only weak, stupid, uneducated people from bad families could ever fall for the whatever. And it's just not true. It's not. And... um, your role modeling, and I, I interviewed Pam Hemphill, who was arrested on January 6th, uh, and um, I'm grateful to her for speaking out, and I'm grateful to you. And what, what we will do, I believe, is create a normalcy 
that, you know what, to be human means we can change our minds. And the people who we really care about and who genuinely care about us will welcome us back and won't say, I told you so, or get lost. That's the right. people who genuinely love you, people who are genuinely spiritual. My next door neighbor, when I got out, baked me chocolate chip cookies and said, welcome home. I had a similar experience, actually, where one, uh, this was someone who, who served as a mentor to me, uh, a very positive influence when I was in college. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I lost touch with him, my, my doing, not his. And when I went to certain individuals to say, I'm, I'm sorry that I severed ties, um, if, you, if you wish not to uh, resurrect this relationship, I'll respect your decision, but I want you to know I was wrong. Well, that individual said to me, Rich, I always knew you'd come back. And you know, that meant a lot, Steve. That Absolutely. Really, really meant a lot. I believe in you. I believe you're a good person. I believe you want to do good in the world and not harm others. And and seriously, I, it sounds trite, but I say love is stronger than mind control. And people are like, Love, how can that be stronger than mind control? Because my family loved me. That's how I got out. Right. Was if they didn't That's care, right. I'd still be in in the cult, bowing to a Korean, you know, mind control, malignant narcissist and such. So um, I'm very grateful to you. I hope we we spend more time and talk about your plans and ideas and my plans and ideas. And frankly, I believe there's a lot more former members who want Absolutely. to learn how to ask questions in a respectful, curious manner, not try to argue with facts, but just like, hey, can I share my story with you? And what I found to be most effective with MAGA folks is talking about, well, the Moonies, if they think the Moonies are a cult, but talking about Chinese communist brainwashing and what it is, and talking about pimps and traffickers and how they groom people and indoctrinate people to be sex slaves or labor trafficking slaves, and then getting into the influence continuum, the bite model, and unpacking that. And it works because the bite model, behavior, information, thought, and emotional control really fits. So um, if I may, Steve, I just wanted to let people know where they can find me. Great. Um, yeah, and uh, and just as a side note with the Weaving MAGA workshops, what I envision with those are to have thinkers and experts and writers and researchers talk about their work, we tie it into MAGA, and then we talk about how eventually we are going to have to reconcile. There's going to be t tens and tens and tens of millions of Americans cannot be constantly in perpetuity at odds with other tens and tens of millions of Americans. So yep. I want to, I'm going to look to make this, those series with writers, singers. And when I, I'm going to volunteer you right here. When I have you on, uh, I'm what I would ask is maybe consider the part of your book where you talk about the half century of all of the, all of the building blocks that brought us to this moment where someone could come into the Republican Party and truly seize it and capture it 
the way that Trump has. I've got my thoughts on those, and yeah. we'll get to discuss well, them. Well, psychology so has evolved dramatically since the days of Freud, and his nephew, Edward Bernays, wrote the book Propaganda in 1928 that the Nazis used. They try to actually hire uh, Bernays, and so that's where I go back, you know, to. But now we're in the social media platform world, honestly, and and unfortunately, there's no data privacy protection for citizens. We know that there are five thousand or more data points on every voting American, and we have these very wealthy platform owners who don't want regulation to protect the public. So that's my biggest fear in the next year going forward is this kind of media, social media uh, addiction slash manipulation. But um, I have a feeling we're going to be talking again soon. We're going to wrap up shortly. Final words? Sure. Um, you know, Again, Steve, uh, so thankful uh, to have me on to to talk about this story that I want this to be good news for others. And yeah. for those who want to uh, want to connect with me, uh, my social media, my contact, you can reach me at perfectourunion.us. It's based on the preamble uh, to the Constitution, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, written by Governor Morris, who was ardently anti-slavery and did not own slaves himself. We talked about mythologies today. Mythologies can be nefarious, but they can also be aspirational and inspirational. And yep. I decided to, I decided to 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 use the um, part of the preamble with perfect our union. So anyone wants to reach me, if they've got others out there, Rich, I've I've got my my mom, my dad, you know, they're MAGA. What do I? Say? You can reach me at perfectourunion.us. Drop me a line. Communicate with me. My social media is there. This is the work that I want to devote the next chapter of my Great. civic and professional life to doing. Um, because again, Steve, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be a sole election cycle. This is gonna be it's it's there's this is gonna be um it's, arg it's yes it's gonna be arduous work. It's gonna be frustrating. It's gonna test our patience. Yeah. But I know that if we stick with it in collaboration, we are going to start to see more and more people who say. Yes, Rich. Yes, Steve. I'm leaving behind. I'm going to leave MAGA and we're going to say thank you and welcome. Yeah. In the meantime, family and friends to your relatives and friends you've cut off, tell them you miss them. Tell them that you are remembering the times you spent at Thanksgiving or fishing or camping, growing up together, share photos, and don't start with politics just start with exactly. the, the heart and uh set the table for conversations of you know i really would like to find a way to talk in a respectful manner where we're really listening to each other and 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 walking this walk together because if it's true then i'll change my mind that's what i tell all my clients that's right that's I'll right. join Scientology. Let's talk about Hubbard. What's your understanding it, of Hubbard? I'll tell you my uh, facts about Hubbard. And, and anyone, Steve, out there who is in the MAGA world right now, um, I I want them to know that I don't view them in the dehumanizing way that I used to view Democrats. I was wrong for that. And that I respect that there were good reasons to support Trump. Great. And 
And, and I, and I say that because if even, even as we start to move into this election cycle and then beyond that, as we start to see more and more, uh, I believe Americans with, with that remorse, I don't think MAGA, most MAGA voters have heard anyone like myself. Mm-hmm. And, and there is, a, I do believe that there is, there is a, the, 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 the cogs in the brain, the gears in the brain start to move when MAGA voters will hear a person who's just like they were in the world, but came out of it and here's why. There, there is something very powerful about the question of, I'm not saying you're wrong, but what if it's possible? That you might be is it possible that you might be mistaken is it possible that you may have been influenced into a certain belief or outcome that you came to and for someone who is in maga to hear that and being and asking it non-judgmentally and genuinely it's going to be hard to totally tune me out at yeah that point. we'll and, talk and, you know, it, we'll talk more i have some more tips and strategies uh, to develop this, but I'm very grateful to you, Rich Logis. Thank you. Perfect our union. After the podcast comes out, we'll we'll put the video in a blog that you can review. We can add links, and um, and we will be in touch. Thank you so Thank you. much. My pleasure, Steve. Thanks again. Okay. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at CultExpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at IGOTOUT.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.